0: Welcome to The Carlina Show, where ordinary people share their hero's journey. I'm your host, Carlina Engwin, and this is episode 34 of the podcast. My guest today is Remy Adeleke, author of Transformed, a Navy SEAL's unlikely journey from the throne of Africa to the streets of the Bronx to defying all odds. Today on the show, Remy shares who he wrote the book for and why he decided to write the book himself and not use a ghostwriter. Remy talks about working with youth and the differences between being a teenager today compared to when he was growing up. We talk about his time as a Navy SEAL, working in human intelligence, and Remy shares how he learned to listen and find common ground with informants. I asked him what it's like to be a lead consultant on the forthcoming Netflix film, Six Underground, and if he could offer youth insight on ways they can find meaning and purpose in their lives. This episode is part of a series that seeks to inspire youth. Included in this series is episode 22, Kevin Hines, Suicide Survivor, Storyteller, and Filmmaker. Episode 11 with Veronica Slack addiction recovery, motherhood, and a message of hope. And finally, episode 10 with Rena DuBos, former division one basketball player, speaker, and mentor. You can visit the Carlina show website at Carlina.net for a full list of episodes and ways to listen. And now I bring you Remy Adelaque. So when you were writing the book, who, who did you have in mind? Who were you writing the book for?
1: Uh, well, initially, um, I was writing the book for like kids who came from where I came from. And I think that's, that's really apparent in the first few chapters in the book, like, you know, kids in the inner cities of Compton, you know, the Bronx, Brooklyn, South side of Chicago, Houston, mm-hmm. just different places. I wanted those kids to be able to, and teenagers, um, um, to read the story and say, wow, like, that's me, and if Remy can, if Remy has walked the life that I walked, and has gotten to where he's gotten, then I can achieve the same thing, or greater, mm-hmm. and so, um, initially that's what I was writing the book for, but as I got deeper into into the book, and, and, and um, you know, I got out of the Bronx, and, you know, I got, you know, into the Navy, and, and, and I began to experience, have different experiences, from relational experiences to... Um, you know, horrible setbacks and just all of the things I went through. I was just like, you know, it began to open up for me. And then I was just like, you know what? I'm writing this book for every single person who's failed at something at some point in their life Mm -hmm. and, um, and has felt like, you know, they will never be able to achieve, achieve their dream. And I'm writing this so that when they read it, they will see that I had failed so much, but it was through my failures that I ultimately got to where I'm at today. Cause I, I didn't quit. I didn't give up. Yeah. And, and so I wanted people to, I just wanted people to see themselves in a book and, 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 you know, and, and just be inspired to never give up on their dream, but also to do the extra hard work that they do need to do mm-hmm. in order to achieve their dream, because that's the other piece to it. Right. <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, which a lot of people don't realize, especially, you know, and I, I, I try not to hit on the younger generations, but I just, you know, with working with, with, um, you know, younger people, um, I find that so many of them have this mindset of, you know, everything's supposed to come to me so fast. You know, Mm -hmm. I'm just supposed to write a, write an idea for a book and it's supposed to be published like the next day. And if it doesn't publish, then, you know, it's the end of the world or I'm supposed to, you know, be playing get the scholarship to play division one football or basketball whatever and if that doesn't happen at all it's like no you gotta you gotta put in the work you know this is not a microwave world where you could just pop something in a microwave for five minutes and right. you know get what you want you gotta you gotta do all the hard work so anyway i was i was writing a book for them
0: as yeah well. and then
1: also for women and and you know when i got towards i'm not sure if how far you, you've gotten in the book, but.
0: Just chapter three, when, like halfway through chapter three, <laughs> so okay, not very so when, far. <laughs>
1: yeah, nah. So as you get deeper in the book, you see I start talking about relationships, and, and you know I, I talk about a specific relationship that I had in the book where I was just you know emotionally and uh, abusive towards this girl I was dating, mm-hmm. and you know how she kept showing up and she would never leave me, you know, and I cheated on her, I did all of these bad things. So. And as, as I was writing that part of the book, I was like, you know what, I'm writing this book for that woman that's in the same situation as. And I won't give away the name. I'll wait for everybody to read the book. Uh-huh. But as fill in a blank in this book, because I want women to be able to see, you know what? I'm, I'm, you know, I am a queen. Uh, I, am smart. I am intelligent. I do, I do not need to put up with some guy who's going to treat me like. Uh, and so, you know, when I got to that part of the book, that's what I was writing it for. I was, I was really authentic about about that time period. You know, I didn't hold back because I wanted women to see how manipulative I was and I wanted them to see how I lied and cheated and yeah and you know if they're in that same type of relationship I wanted them to question it you know themselves and say you know what I deserve better and sh- should I even stay in this relationship so yeah.
0: yeah yeah and so the people who have read your book and have talked to you afterwards what sort of things have they said to you
1: oh I mean uh I've gotten so much great free feedback. You know, one, uh, I read the book in a week or I read the book in a day. I, I I don't read books. And I and I, uh-huh. <laughs> and I I picked up the book and, and I flew right through it. So that's one thing I keep hearing is that, you know, they flew right through it. Uh, another You know, another message I keep getting is, you know, is how inspiring it is. You know, I'm getting messages from people all over the world, not just in America, saying, you know what, like – I'm, I'm just inspired to just reach for my dreams. Like this mm-hmm. book has helped me so much to not give up. Um, cause I, you know, so again, I don't want to go into too much of the book and mm-hmm. and, 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 and give it away, but yeah, that's another piece. And then also, um, just just the piece about, you know, I'm, I'm, there's a, there's two chapters in there where I share a little bit about my faith, and I'm getting a lot of people who are, you know, reaching out to me and saying, you know, I, I have a renewed sense of faith now, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. after reading this book, you know, I, I never really, or I had faith back in the day, or, and I lost it, and but reading your book and seeing how, you know, you came to faith, you know, and, and how you've grown, mm-hmm. like, it's just inspires as as me, you know, so...
0: How did you come to faith?
1: I hit rock bottom. You know, I hit rock bottom. I had absolutely everything. I had girlfriends all over the place. I had money. I had a beautiful place in San Diego. I was, you know, SEAL. I had graduated from SEAL training and I had too much. And uh, on the outside, everything seemed perfect. But on the inside, I was depressed and empty mm-hmm. and uh you know and that's what led me to treat people poorly you know because i was i was searching for something so anyway i uh i, I explained all in the book but I, I hit rock bottom i hit rock bottom uh just to kind of you know shorten the short version of it i hit rock bottom and uh and uh my brother had been a Christian for a long period of time and he would always tell me Remy, um, I mean, when you hit rock bottom just remember to cry out to Jesus because I had fluctuated between atheism and gnosticism mm-hmm. and so after I had tried everything and nothing worked for me um, while I was going through this this battle of depression I was just like all right I'm take my brother's advice and cry out to Jesus. And, you know, mm-hmm. you know I am this big, bad, tough Navy who grew up in the Bronx and did all of these things. I'm literally crying out, you know, for help. And, uh, that's where, uh, the change came for me
0: was it did you go to to a church to find this or was it on your own or no how did that no
1: it, it was well no it didn't start out that way I was actually it was all self-reflection uh-huh. um it was self-reflection and um and and that's when I the, the process started for me pretty much out in the wilderness you know reflecting on my life and then and then later I ended up going to a church and um and and, and you know and and you know and growing in my faith, but it's, it didn't start in the church. It wasn't me going in and hearing a mess sermon or, or anything like that. It was mm-hmm. just me out on my own. And, and then ultimately that's when I, when I went to church later.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so why did you start with the the first scene or for the first chapter of the book? Um, um, why did you choose that scene to, to start your book?
1: Um, I think I chose it because I, the title of the book is "Transformed," So, uh, the, and the subtitle of the book is A Navy Seal's Unlikely Journey from the Throne of Africa to the Streets of the Bronx and Defying All Odds. Mm-hmm. So when you get the book, you're going to know automatically, okay, at some point this guy's going to be a Navy SEAL. OK, uh, uh, for people who know me from the film and TV industry, I've been in, you know, in two movies and, 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 and TV shows and few TV shows, few TV projects, and some other stuff. Mm-hmm. You're going to know, OK, this guy's an actor. He's a writer. He's a Navy SEAL. Just picking up the book, you're going to know that. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to open up the book with a chapter where that was the polar opposite. OK, like mm-hmm. the polar opposite, like here's this guy scamming people, stealing people's information, like mm-hmm. the total opposite of the subtitle of the book. Mm-hmm. Right. Because because I, I wanted to make people ask, I wanted to make people ask the question, how did this guy go from chapter one to the cover subtitle of the book? Mm-hmm. Like, I need, I need to I need to get past chapter one so I could figure out how this happened. And I need to figure out how. This guy got from the cover of the book to chapter one, mm-hmm. because as you know, chapter one, you know, doesn't start. It's not the beginning of my story. It's not, you know, right, 1982. Remy right. was born here. Yeah. It's, you know, it's, it's in, in my teenage years. And then, you know, from that chapter, then we go back mm-hmm. uh, to that, to the, the uh, Africa years. And so um, I wanted I wanted to kind of bait people to read more. Or for the audiobook listeners to listen more and ask those questions. And essentially say to themselves, I need to find out how this guy got to be who he is in Chapter Mm 1. And then I need to find out how this guy in Chapter 1 later... Got to where he is now, <laughs> right? So,
0: right? Yeah, yeah, and I think I think that is effective because that's what hooked me in, and yeah. also I love that um, that you did your own audio book and you could yeah, hear yeah. your voice. And, yeah. and also I think that's really powerful. So, yeah. um, yeah, yeah, that's, that's what I thought you would say, but, um, but yeah.
1: And, and I'm gonna say something, doing an audiobook read was one of the hardest things I've done in a long time. I oh mean, really? Even, was, even yeah. more than
0: being a Navy SEAL?
1: <laughs> no, 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 not how that, but it was one of the hardest things I've done in a long time. Yeah. Uh, because, uh, it's just, when you read, you you know most of us read quietly you know to ourselves you know not out loud and so if you make a mistake as you're reading to yourself you i mean your brain already knows what that right word is so you just keep going through you know right. but it's not like that when you're doing an audiobook read every word has to be perfect every syllable has to be perfect every comma has to be perfect every period has to be perfect uh-huh. and then uh, on top of that there's so many different people in the book so i got to do different accents and then i gotta got to go from narrative to dialogue dialogue to narrative and so Mm -hmm. there were times when I had to repeat the same sentence six seven times you know just to get right so it was tedious it was it was hard but after the first day my my voice was shot
0: um so you said that in one of the one of the podcast episodes um you said that you spoke at Rikers Island at their graduation ceremony so tell me a little bit about that and tell me what you said to them
1: um, yeah, so they the the some of the staff at Rikers Island read my book and they were just like, wow, this guy's story is a story that can resonate with the inmates who are who are getting ready to graduate from high school. So they asked me to come speak at the graduation ceremony for the inmates who are getting their either their GED or their high school diploma, mm-hmm. and, uh, and and so that's how it came about. Um, and uh, and then my message was essentially, I am who you guys are. Uh, I come from where you come from, and though people make mistakes, doesn't that doesn't mean that they don't have potential. And you know, don't think that your life is over. Whether you're going to be serving life, because there were guys there who are going to be serving life. They were, you know, going to be there, and they, you know, for murder, and then they're going to get. You know, transported upstate New York uh, for 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 life. There were some people who were gonna be doing. There was one kid I spoke to who was getting. You know, that day he was getting sh- shipped upstate for ten years uh, in prison. You know, so you know, my message to them was, don't allow this present moment to define your future. You know, mm-hmm. find the lessons within that moment to prepare you for the future, and and just don't give up. Like, keep striving and keep pursuing your education. Um, and that was again, that was another thing I was trying to, you know, hammer home to them was, you know, don't just give up, keep pursuing your education because you can, you can get your, you can get your bachelor's degree. You can get your master's, you can get your PhD. You can get your, I mean, you could do these things, but it's up to you if you want to do them. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. that was my message.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, So then you also work with youth.
1: Yeah, I work, uh, I do, I work with a nonprofit called, uh, City Hope Now mm-hmm. and, uh, it's a mentorship organization and well, it, well, that's just one of the different things they do. They deal with human trafficking and domestic violence, um, um, ad, advocacy and, uh, my job is mentorship. So I, I mentor, uh, at risk inner city youth.
0: Mm-hmm. And so what sort of things are these kids dealing with?
1: Fatherlessness. Most of them don't have dads in their life. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, getting in trouble in school (laughs) Mm -hmm. i mean there's there's, there are four particular kids who at at one school who i I mentored and they are the four they they get they're the four baddest kids in the school Uh um they always get in trouble for fighting talking back um not doing their homework different things of that sort and uh and so um yeah
0: Mm -hmm. and so what sort of things do you say to them or how do you mentor them
1: uh, I try one by example. You know, uh-huh. I just by example. I I try to um, just be present in their life and show them what it is to be a man. Mm-hmm. You know, and then obviously a lot of talks, <laughs> mm-hmm. a lot of you shouldn't have done that. Or, why did you do that? Explain why you did that. Let's find the reasoning behind this so that we can move past this and you don't do it again. So a lot of talks um, and, and just sometimes just spending time with them, playing basketball, showing them that I care about them. I think that that's one of the most important elements of mentorship is is showing that I'm not just there to check a box. I'm not just there to say, hey, to pat myself on the back. I'm here because I'm I care about you and so you know even if it's just playing a pickup ball game a, a game of basketball with them even if it's going to dinner with them just just you know showing that I care about them and uh and, and that 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 inspires them because they're like man this guy's an SEAL, this guy's an actor he's this and that and he's coming to where I am and he's spending time with me mm-hmm. I am, that that must mean that I am somebody
0: mm-hmm yeah. My own
1: dad doesn't my own dad doesn't speak to me. My own dad is not in my life. Like the fact that this guy is doing that shows that I am somebody. And so I think that's important. So that's what I try to do.
0: Yeah, yeah. And how is being a teenager like now different from when you were growing up?
1: Um, I think, you know, a lot of teenagers are dealing with a lot of the same issues from, you know, you know, sexual sexual pressures like you you know you got to sleep around you got to hook up those type of things um bullying i mean we call it bullying now but back in the day it was just like <laughs> it was uh-huh. we didn't call it bullying but it was the same thing so mm-hmm. I, you know I, I i i see that the same um and then you know just the same the survival the mindset of i have to survive so i'm going to do whatever i need to do uh to survive whether it's doing something illegally or whether it's you know Mm-hmm. Doing something else, you know, and I, so I think that the pressures are exactly the same. I think that one thing that has changed is is, is the access to technology, you know, and specifically social media. I think that that consumes kids a lot more, and now they're they're really competing against other kids. Mm -hmm. for attention and and for likes and for follows and and all those those different things so I I think that that's the only thing that's really changed is technology but for the most part I think that that everything is the same from the time Mm -hmm. I was growing up as a teenager
0: yeah yeah (laughs) um and so you have you have three boys right uh-huh. are are you boys. gonna are you gonna have them um, are you gonna let them use social media when they're in their teen years?
1: No <laughs> no. no as of now I, I, I know my wife. Uh is a doctor so she like she has all the statistics and numbers behind you know social media and how it's not good for your brain and and how it can be a detriment to young kids especially with that development so my my wife will tell you absolutely not there is no way um no and i'm i side with her i I don't think i am um uh, until i fully fully understand it and how to use it and um and when i say how to use it how to use it the right way because social media can be used the right way um unfortunately it's just been used the wrong way a lot especially with young people so um until i could really sit down and teach them and then they've matured to the point where they can handle it and and and, and where it doesn't consume them and their identity is not rooted in it mm-hmm. i'm not gonna let them use it
0: yeah yeah okay okay so, um, so another question I have is about um, bridging the divide and talking to people and having conversations with people who are different from us or think differently yeah. from us. And mm. the and I I know a few people, a few other um, vets, and it seems like the military is is an institution that represents people from various backgrounds, political affiliations, socioeconomic mm. statuses, and all. And um, how do you use that knowledge that you gained from the military in your personal life to engage and to converse with people who may think differently or may have a different background?
1: I just use it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean it's that simple. Um I, I, I just use it. I mean, uh it's just it's just you know, through osmosis it's just been you know, absorbed within my system. So it's just I, I don't know. I, I'm trying to figure out the best way to answer the question, but I just you know, I just apply what I learn. I mean, um, I don't know if that's the answer to your question.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, maybe if you can give an example of how, because, you know, there is a lot of divide. We hear on the news, there's a lot of divide. There's a lot yeah. of, you know, political tension and all people that don't want to yeah. talk to someone else who's a different, you know, political affiliation. So um, how do you have a conversation or how do you engage somebody or how do you look at, because at, it seems like like you, just from the conversations I've heard you have, um, mm-hmm. You sort of just get along with everybody.
1: <laughs> yeah, 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 I do. <laughs> so how do you do that?
0: What advice can you get? Well,
1: you know, one is uh, first and foremost, you know, I I'm, a, I'm accepting of all people. Mm-hmm. I think that that's the, you know it goes back to p- past the military. You know, my mom just raised me that way to be ex- accepting of all people, mm-hmm. and um, you know, I grew up in the Bronx, so I grew up around. Dominicans Puerto Ricans uh you know uh Asians you know I grew up in a very different New York city is very diverse I mm-hmm. think it's one of the most diverse cities in the world and in and, and the country mm-hmm. and um and so I grew up around you know di- people of different sort of sexual orientations I grew up around you know people uh, of, of not not necessarily like different financial status because everybody in the Bronx was, <laughs> all about the same financial status but I grew up grew up around people from from, from different backgrounds and so I think that you know when I got into military and i was further exposed to people from different backgrounds um that was normal for me and then and you know i traveled all around the world and you know i was able to experience different cultures and and and, and learn from different cultures and uh, especially in the middle east you know the, the way they th- do things in the middle east is completely different so it, it it forced me to be accepting of of ways that i didn't t- that did and Always agree with, mm-hmm. um, but respect it because it was just the way business was done in that, in that in those particular countries. And so it's just been a fabric of. It's, it's been part of my fabric. It's been part of my DNA and who I am to just one be accepting of all people, mm-hmm. um, regardless of whether I agree with them or disagree with them. And then two, you know, just be open to hearing the perspective. Of another person or another group mm-hmm. um, and I, I in my job in the military I worked in human intelligence so um, um, I had to uh, if I'm going into too much detail I had to have a lot of conversations um, with with with. I ran sources so we call them informants over, over here overseas we call them sources mm-hmm. so I had to use sources in order to acquire information and based off that information we would go on missions and so Part of that was I had to be, I had to listen, and I had to be willing to listen, so that I was, assume, I was assimilating the information appropriately, uh, because the information that I was getting, if I was, if there was a slight bias uh, within me that was skewing the information, then that could affect. Whether we went on a mission, whether we not went on a mission, whether their lives were saved, were saved, or whether their lives were not saved, whether I was mm-hmm. putting my team in danger or not, you know, so I couldn't put a spin <laughs> mm-hmm. on the information I was receiving, and so you know, I, I just learned, you know, I, I take that with me, where I, I just learned to listen, mm-hmm. to listen to people, and I may not agree with them, but you know what, there is there I mean, there is always some truth, you know, within something somebody's trying to relate to me, Mm -hmm. whether I agree with it or not. And so I just try to find that truth and and, and find that common ground, you know, which brings me to the next point is common ground. You know, one thing that I had to learn in in human intelligence was building that common ground. And whether I disagree with somebody or not, there is something that we believe in, you know, collectively, Mm -hmm. you know, there is something. So let's find that something and let's start from there and then work our way out, you know, so... Finding common ground, and you know, I, I don't know. So yeah. those are those are the first three that come to mind.
0: Yeah, no, that's great. That's great. Um, could you talk at all about what you did with the? You said with human intelligence. Is that what you did?
1: Yeah, so I was I was a seal. So first and foremost, I was you know um, I did you know different type of missions that SEALs do, but um part of my specialty within the SEAL teams was human 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 intelligence. We call it humit. Uh human, it sounds like but it actually stands for human intelligence. And uh-huh. uh and so what that entailed was, you know, collecting intelligence. Um uh uh human intelligence which meant meeting with people and, 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 and running sources and you know collecting intel and then using other means to collect intel, some means that I can't really go into detail and <laughs> okay. and then um, and then, you know, using that information to go on missions. Um, so I, I wasn't the guy who was told, you go here and there's a bad guy here and go get the bad guy. Right. Uh-huh. And then not just blindly go out and do it. I was the guy that was going out and getting the information. Um, and, then, and then obviously, you know, vetting that information against other people who are also, you know, um, collecting information and and vetting that information with other agencies to make sure that information was accurate and then doing re- research, you know, reading other reports as it related to the information that I had just received to make sure that that there was some type of, of trend or there was a connection. So um, so that, that that's uh, that's kind of what I did.
0: Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. So now um, you have a new Netflix show that's coming out. Is it in the fall?
1: uh it's it's spring and it's a, it's a film i was okay. hired as a uh, lead consultant on the film um but it's a it's a action comedy on netflix and it comes out december of uh this year and uh and i do have a role in it i have a small role in that of fact, i had to do some some voiceover work for it last night but uh-huh. um yeah i do have a role in it but I, I most of my time on set was spent as a consultant
0: so what is the name of the the show or the film
1: uh, it's called it's going to be called Six Underground.
0: Six Underground. So uh-huh. tell me what it's like to be a consultant on a show like that.
1: Um, well, the, it's, it's fun. <laughs> <laughs> um, too, you get to you get to do a little bit of everything, you know, so I got to I got to I was on set for most for a lot of the action scenes, which was cool. And I was right there with the director. And, and there were times when he was just like, you know, is that right? The way they would do that movement or the way you know that guy would handle that on or what that bad guy would do or you know so i would deal with that and there were times where you know um ryan reynolds and 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 myself and the director were standing standing there and, and 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 ryan was just like hey you know these lines like it's something off about these lines what do you think is that something that would be said or how can we say it to make it more authentic and i would kind of come up with something and mm-hmm. <laughs> you know make them want that and they can give it to them and they were wrong with that. So um I did that and then I would work with the costume department to make sure that the the wardrobe was was, you know, tactically sound. I would work with the props department to make sure that, you know, the props were tactically sound and realistic. And 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 yeah, so I worked with 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 different departments just to kind of make the rip the film as realistic as possible
0: yeah yeah can you give me an example of something that 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 they had in the script and, and you said well no let's do it this way or it would be more like this can you give me an example
1: oh no 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 i'll get in trouble <laughs> oh, <okay. laughs> after, after the film comes out i can but not now
0: oh okay okay okay
1: yeah.
0: um you said it's coming out in december of this year yeah. okay mm-hmm. okay good good um okay um, let's see. So tell me about your, your mentors and kind of when they, when they appeared in your life and, and what significance they had to you. Uh,
1: mentors, mentors. I mean, I started having mentors as soon as I joined the military. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, I or had, someone I had you, mentors yeah. before I joined the military, but those mentors were negative, more, more, more negative influences than positive influences. But, uh, like how, so but yeah, that, well you know just not having a father you know I, I i was you know a lot of my mentors were were you know for the most part media and uh and hip-hop culture and um you know um i i was i just consumed it and i, I thought that you know listening to rappers talk about selling drugs i thought that that was the right thing to do so i did it you know listen rappers talk about you know sleeping around with multiple women and being a player and if you're not doing that you're a soft cornball you know i listened to that and that's what i did i slept around with multiple girls you know um Listen to guys who talked about punching people in the face if they disrespect you, you know, I went and followed suit. So that, so that's what I mean by I had negative mentors, you know, because they were giving me um, a false blueprint of what it meant to be a man. Mm-hmm. And I followed it. And, uh, and then it wasn't until I joined the military that, you know, I began to learn about honor, courage, and commitment, uh, begin to learn about following orders and being on time and keeping my word and just all of those things, um, through other mentors. And then when I got to, to seal training, then I mean, the, the ante was definitely upped, right. <laughs> so mm-hmm. to speak. And, uh, and, 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 and the seal, my BUDS instructors became my mentors. And then when I got to my seal team, the guys who were senior to me became my mentors. Um, and then it just, it just kept on growing from there. And then, um, when I got out of the SEAL team, I had, you know, still had mentors who were in, had mentors in business who would mentor me in, in different realms. So, yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What about, um, the, in one of your podcast episodes, you mentioned that there are some women in your life who, um, who kind of helped you out or who saw something in you and, yeah. and can you talk about them?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, that was one thing that I discovered in writing the book is uh throughout my life there were so many women who came along the way that kinda opened the door for me to get me to where I am today. And one being my mom first and foremost, who did so much for me, you know, raising me and my brother by, by herself. Um the second thing was the second person was my aunt Doki, who, you know, helped my mom. And then my grandmother who helped my mom raise me. Um and then there's my recruiter who when I had worn two warrants out for my arrest, you know, she snuck me into the navy, took me to judges to to get my record clear so I could join the Navy. Mm-hmm. But if it wasn't for her, who knows where I would be? Um, and then you know, jump from there to my HM2 Brown, who allowed me to change my schedule so that I could work out uh, uh, to, to acquire the skills and the qualifications I needed just to get into SEAL training. And you know, the list goes on and on and on. To Kathy Lee Gifford, who you know, who walked me to my publisher, Harper Collins, and told them, "You better sign this guy to a book deal right now before I take him to some take him to a publisher who will." Mm-hmm. And so, you know, throughout my life, I've had women who just came. In and they saw something in me that I didn't see seeing myself at the time, and 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 they just you know gave me the push or opened the door that that um, was needed for me to get to where I'm at today.
0: Yeah, yeah. And how did you and your wife meet?
1: Match.com.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. that's funny. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I met my significant other on Match.com as well. So.
1: <laughs> oh, cool, cool, cool,
0: cool, cool. Yeah. So were yeah. you both living in San Diego at the time?
1: She had just moved to San Diego, like, I want to say, like, two months earlier. No, 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 like a month. No, like a few weeks earlier. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, she, I, I, you know, I I had been single for three years, and I had decided, you know, after being single, all right, I think I'm ready to meet a wife, meet my wife, you know, not not a girlfriend, not, like, a hookup, but I'm ready to meet my wife. And I knew I didn't want to go to a club to meet my wife. I knew I didn't want to go to a bar or anything like that. And uh, I was like, let me try Match.com. So I I did a 30 day trial and, um, the last week of my 30 day trial was the first week of her 30 day trial, uh, because she had just, and and she set her match.com profile because she had just moved to San Diego, Uh um, because, uh, she's a doctor. So she was in residency at the time. She, she got accepted into a residency program. So that's why she moved to San Diego. So she had just moved there.
0: Uh We met. Okay. So when did you start writing your book?
1: I started in October of, uh, 2000 and let's see, where are we now? 2019,
0: 17, October, 2017. That's when you started writing it. And then when did yeah. you finish the first draft?
1: Uh, I finished March 8th, 2018. And I, and I, I took, there's a whole lot to the story, uh-huh. um, and, You know, my mom started out as a writer. She started in August, though. And, you know, after two months, I was just like, this is not my voice. It's not who I am. I need to write this story. So I started all over for the most part.
0: Oh, so your mom started writing the book?
1: Yeah, yeah, oh, tell me and, about that. Uh, but yeah, you know she started, but it wasn't like you know, she's a great writer, a fantastic writer. Uh-huh. Um, but as I read, I was just like, this is not my story. It's, it's being told more from her perspective. It wasn't being told from my perspective. Right. And And so that's why I was just like, I need to do this. I need to be the writer on this. And so I started writing, um, started all over. Mm-hmm. started writing I got halfway through when I was halfway on about chapter 14 the publisher um concerned that this book is going to turn into a 200,000 word book <laughs> and I was just like I was like wait what like there's no way it's going to be a 200,000 word book I know my I know the way I do things and this is not going to be a 200,000 word book and and that made me ask the question well what is my limit uh-huh. Because I didn't I didn't know what my limit was. And they said, well, you signed your contract was for sixty to 80,000 words. Uh, your book can't be more than 80,000 words. And I, saw, I said to myself, there's no way I could tell the story in 80,000 words. That's that's ridiculous. I would have to paraphrase every part of the book. So I fought them for about a week and a half. And I was just like, there's no way I'm writing a 80,000 word book. And finally they capitulated and said, okay, you can write a book, but it can't be more than under 30,000 words. And on top of that, you have to hire a ghostwriter. So I said, all right. So I went to go find a ghostwriter, found a ghostwriter. Well, I stopped writing, found a ghostwriter, um, uh, hired him. And then a month later, this is December, so like December 20th, 2017. So a month later, December, January 26th, 2018, um, he calls me up and he's like, hey, I wrote three chapters, which was 15, 16, 17. I was like, great. Um, he said, how do you want to do this? You want to get on the phone and talk about this? I said, yeah, let's do it that way. So, you know, he sent me the three chapters. I wait for him to call me, he calls me, in and then I start reading. I read the first line, I'm like, nope. I read the second line, I'm like, nope. I read the third line, I'm just like, this is horrible. <laughs> um, this is not like, and it was so, the writing was so bad, I had to ask him, hey, did you read the first half of the book, which I had already written? And he said, no. And I said, dude, how can you tell the second half of the story when you don't even know the first half of the story? He's like, yeah, I know, but I didn't want to be influenced by my by your voice. And I said, that's crazy, but because you're supposed to be influenced by my voice so that you could tell the story, um, and it, it reads like one story, not two different stories. And he's like, yeah, I know. So anyway, long story short, um, I, 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 I told him, hey, read the read the read the last half of the book, and I'm going to rewrite this chapter 15 and we'll talk again in the morning so we did the next morning and i had sent him chapter 15 before we got on the phone he read it he was just like ready he's like did you write the first half of the book i like yeah he's like did you write that chapter you sent me last night i said yeah he said dude you're a great writer he was just like i don't know why your publisher told you you needed to hire a (laughs) ghostwriter like he's like you're like you need to write this book he's like i've been i've been a writer for 30 years and i've never lost a job i've never quit on a job but I'm quitting now because I need you to know that you need to write this book. No one else needs to tell the story but you. And I was like, great. So I fired him (laughs) and, um, and called my publisher and told them I fired the ghostwriter and I'm writing this myself and they freaked out and they were just like, oh, we're not gonna have a book. This is not where, like, they freaked out. And I, I, I didn't listen to them and I just kept writing and, and so I wrote the book. I had five weeks to finish the book. This was January 26th. My due date to turn it in was March 15th. And um, I turned it in on March 8th. I had finished the book. Um, so I, I wrote the whole book in four months total. Wow. Um, and, and and when I wrote it and, and when I turned it into him, uh, the 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 woman who the, the vice president who gave me so much hassle sent me a private email. She's like this is a great read. It's great writing. After all we went through, like all the fights we had, like, I'm just pleased to tell you that I'm so, so pleased with this book. Like I didn't expect it to turn out like this. She's like, we're, we're we're looking forward to the next to to what this book is going to do. And that's how it all came together.
0: Wow. So before reading the book, had you written articles or short stories already? So you just sat down and wrote it. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. You know what I, what, what helped me, one, and I talk about this in the book, you haven't gotten to the part yet, but when I was a kid, my mom would make my brother and I read the New York Times and then mm-hmm. read articles, um, read books and write reports. You know, She would make us do it for punishment and then she would also make us do it when we were um, in trouble. And so that's where I got the foundational principles of writing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then fast forward to when I got into the SEAL teams, as I said, I did a lot of intelligence and that required a lot of writing. Mm -hmm. Um, because every time I had a meeting with somebody, I had to write a detailed report in in some type of story form because somebody had to be able to pick up the report and read it as though it was written that day when Mm -hmm. those events happened that that day. Mm -hmm. And so that's where I really learned visual writing. Like how do I write in a way where people are not just reading, but they're seeing what they're writing. They're seeing the images. They're seeing the world. They're seeing the people that are, that are in the story. Mm -hmm. And so that's where my writing was further enhanced. And then, um, at the time, uh, before I started writing, I was uh, before like a, a month before I signed my publishing deal. I enrolled in the Lee Strasberg Theater and Film Institute, and I, and I was there from July, early July, like the first week of July until December, and uh, well, until January. And so I had learned so much about storytelling. Mm -hmm. Um, because we had to read scripts, um, and we had to, so I had to understand story arcs. I had to understand the meaning behind the writing, um, because I was acting out what I was reading. Um, I had to do improv classes. I had to do scene study classes and all of those classes helped me tremendously as a writer. Mm -hmm. Like I'm thinking, I'm just going there to learn how to be a better actor, but I went there and I learned how to be a better storyteller. Mm -hmm. Um, And then fast forward, um, I would I would just uh, as I was writing, I would just listen to different videos as I worked out. Like, how do you tell a story? Mm -hmm. Like writing organically, like story Mm -hmm. structure. Like I would just listen as I wrote. Um, And and that's what helped me. You know, so and, and then on top of that, I went to grad school, you know, I got my bachelor's and. My master's in organizational strategy, so obviously, you know, to graduate school, you got to write a lot of papers, so uh, my master's is not in English or literature or writing, but I did have to do a lot of writing, so that helped me, too.
0: Right. Did you outline the story before you wrote it, or did you just
1: write it? I started out with an outline, and I would say after the second... Chapter that outline completely changed, mm-hmm. um, and and uh, and 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 I'm I'm writing other I've written other projects since then, and I'm currently writing a project right now that I I need to get done by next week, and uh, uh, one thing that I found is that I am not one to outline, mm-hmm. um, because I've done it and it doesn't work for me, because uh, I'm more of an organic storyteller, and what I mean by that is I like to let the story tell the story, mm-hmm. um, uh, instead of follow a structure because there are certain places a story wants to go. Um, especially if it's good writing or good storytelling. And if you have an outline, uh, you're, you're forcing the story into that outline.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so you're fighting, you're fighting against the story. And so what helped me so much in the book was, you know, I had the outline and there were times where I was just like, I need to stick to this outline. Like I need to have this story in here. And it just never worked. There were times where I would force the story that I had outlined into a particular part of the book, and it just didn't work.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It just didn't work at all.
0: Yeah.
1: And uh, and 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 so you know, I just I just learned the importance of writing organic. And for some people that it works. You know, I, I, I'm not saying that you know rule number five oh six as it relates to writing never outline. Like it works for some people, but for me, and because of the way my mind works, and I have all these ideas, especially in writing my book you know, I had, to, 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 it's my book, it's my life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, my, there's so many stories that are in my mind, mm-hmm. you know, and I think, you know, outlining works. I think it works for a person who, um, like if somebody else was writing my book, mm-hmm. then that out, outline would probably work
0: mm-hmm.
1: because they're taking, cause, cause you know, they don't, my brain is not in their head. So they don't know that, yeah. you know, when I talk about this relationship, you know, Oh, there was another relationship that I remember. As I'm writing about one relationship A, oh, I remember relationship Z and how relationship Z affected relationship A. So I need to, I need to bring that up so I could tie that into that story. They don't know that because mm-hmm. they're not. They, they've never lived my life, right? You know, so all they know is, you know, all they know is what they've. Is, uh, is, is what's, what's been outlined mm-hmm. or what I've shared with them. And so again, you know, writing organically really helped me to be free and, and, and remember those stories that came to me, mm-hmm. um, that, 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 I forgot when I was doing the outline process, mm-hmm. you know, and go down roads that I never would have gone down, but that just popped up as I was writing.
0: Right. Yeah. Was your mom a, a first reader or did she edit a version of your book?
1: No, 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 she didn't do any editing. Um, she did read it. Yeah. She did read it after I finished it and she was just like, this is a great book. And, uh, and and that turned it into the publisher and it all worked out.
0: Uh-huh. What other comments did she have? Or was there anything that surprised her or anything?
1: She was like, You're crazy. And she was just like she was like, I knew you were a bad kid, but I didn't know how bad you were. She was like, You are crazy.
0: Oh, so she learned about
1: what you yeah, were up she, to all, in your
0: youth by reading your book? Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, 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 yeah. yeah all the stuff I hid from her. <laughs> yeah.
0: Um, yeah. Um, did you surprise yourself that you could that you could write a first draft? Um, so quickly,
1: or was that? Um Yeah. No, because I didn't know how long it usually takes to write a first draft.
0: <laughs> I mean, I know people. It's taken I, I, ten years. So. I'm,
1: more, I'm, I'm coming into this process naive. I'm coming into this process with which I think was good. Yeah. Because I think if I would have known that, because I hear people when I tell them I wrote them before, they're like, "What? You wrote the book in four months?" I'm like. Yeah, I just wrote in four months. It's like it takes like a year or two years to write a book. You wrote it in four, and it's a long book. I can't. I'm glad I didn't know that because that would have, that would have messed me up probably. Um, <laughs> but it, it probably would have really screwed me up, but no, I didn't. I, I, I just, I just wrote, I, I just, so, you know, it didn't surprise me. I was just like, Oh, this is what you do. You sit down you tell a story and you get done and you move on, mm-hmm. you know? So, so. You, so
0: you have, you have very good discipline. It, it sounds like.
1: <laughs> oh yeah. 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 No, no, absolutely. I, and that, and, and, and I had to on because I had a due date. Mm -hmm. it was March 15th -hmm. and I had lost a month because again, I took a month off to let that writer write. And, you know, and so I was behind. And so like, literally there were times when I would, I would stay up until three in the morning, um, you know, writing, um,
0: So I'm glad that you, you know, stood your ground and said that you were going to write it because your voice definitely comes through. I mean, your voice comes through because you're narrating it, but also it's just like the dialogue you use and then just the way that you're thinking and the way that you make connections Mm -hmm. and you bring in backstory and all. It's all very you which yeah. I appreciate. And so I feel like, and I, I'm, I'm pretty naive as far as, you know, who uses ghostwriters and cause they don't yeah. announce it. Um, so yeah, I feel most like most people do now that you say this, I feel like other books that I've read they're they were pretty bland. And now I'm thinking maybe a ghostwriter wrote it because they yeah. really didn't know the person. <laughs> yeah. So yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Yeah.
0: So um, because
1: so many things come to you as you write, so many things come to you—ideas, things you said—and then another thing I did was I interviewed people. When I when I came across a story, I was just like, "Man, this story needs to be in a book." Like I remember when this happened, uh-huh. and there was there were people that were attached to a particular story. I would call them up, mm-hmm. and I would say, "Hey, dude, remember when we were doing this and that girl? Like, tell me what happened. Like, I remember it happened this way. How do you remember it happened?" And they would say, "Oh, yeah, it happened like that, but..." remember this happened too. And I was like, Oh yeah, I forgot all about that. <laughs> and he's like, yeah. And then you said this and then you said, that. and I was just like, yeah, I'm gonna put that in. So I interviewed, I interviewed, I had, again, I don't want to give away too much because you haven't gotten deep into the book yet, mm-hmm. but I, the most of the people who are, I mentioned in the book, I interviewed them. Like mm-hmm. even my dad's, my dad's uh, mentee, you know, I interviewed him for the early chapters of my book to really understand what happened with my dad's property and all that stuff. Right. Um, yeah. You know, so Deshaun, you know, I interviewed him, you know, I, and he told me so many stories like I, I couldn't even fit because he was doing a cell phone scan with me, you mm-hmm. know. And so I interviewed him. I interviewed Charles. I interviewed um, uh, the guy who cut my hair. Like I interviewed my ex-girlfriend who you'll, you'll meet later in the book. You mm-hmm. know, I interviewed people I went through SEAL training with, like all because and, and, and so many things came up because, again, um, you know, I was. Uh, I was uh yeah. I was open.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, I just have a couple more questions. Um the next one is so what what would you say to someone who wants to start writing?
1: Well, what well, depends on what they want to write.
0: Well, okay, <laughs> so let's say let's say posts. yeah, let me be more specific. Um someone maybe at that you speak to at the jail or, mm. um, the, the youth that you mentor or anybody who has, you know, this compelling story of struggle or overcoming adversity, how would you, well, you know, how, would how would you recommend they get started
1: for writing a book or a, yeah, film a book or, or,
0: or yeah. I mean, anything. Um, yeah. Yeah.
1: It, uh, one, research, 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 research. You know, I'm writing, uh, you know, I've, I've transitioned from writing books into writing films now. Mm-hmm. And um, the same rule applies to both. You have to research. You have to interview people. Like, they are parts of my book. Obviously, it's my story. But I still went back and researched places that I lived. Um, I researched streets that I would run past. I researched You know, people who were part of my life, I researched certain things as it related to the military, even though I had served in the military for 13 years. And and what that did was, again, it gave me freedom, but it opened up the world to me and it refreshed my memory. So the first thing I would say to people is you need to research. Mm -hmm. Um, I could tell lazy writing. I could tell I could tell when a person doesn't doesn't research because the writing just reads in a lazy way you know it's bland it's it's there's no depth to it at all so you got to research um, mm-hmm. that's the first thing um, and then not just research up front but you got to be willing to research throughout and not ex- as extensive as up front but like there are times when I will spend uh, I'll write a one page scene, but I'll spend two hours doing research to make sure everything in that scene is as accurate as possible. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's something that I did with my book. There was there were stories where I was just like, I remember this thing happening this way, but I need to do research to make sure everything is as accurate as possible. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's the first thing. Second thing I would tell them is um, find what works for you. Find what works for you. If outlining works for you, outline. If writing organically works for you, write organically. And don't be afraid to try different methods of writing. Mm -hmm. Um, Don't be afraid of speaking out your dialogue because that might work for you. Uh, But don't be afraid of of not speaking out your dialogue. Mm -hmm. Um, Don't be afraid of, you know, sharing a chapter with somebody you trust when you finish it to get their feedback before you move on. But also don't be afraid to not do that, to wait until it's all done, you know. Mm -hmm. So um, don't feel... Don't feel uh, constricted by the rules. Is mm-hmm. one thing I'll say. And then write. Like, I mean, I know this is a simple piece of advice, but you just gotta put pen to paper. Mm-hmm. You gotta sit at the computer and stare at that blinking cursor, you know, for mm-hmm. hours and hours. It's like a it's like a muscle. It literally is. Is like writing is. It's like a muscle. The more you work it, the better you will get at it. And, and, but writing is also tough. It's really, really hard. And so you got to be willing to do the hard work and, and stretch yourself. Um, so write, right, 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 right. That's the yeah. only way you get better.
0: Okay. Okay, good, good. And then, um, the final question is, and this would be directed towards, towards the youth, which would be how, how can the youth find meaning and purpose in their lives?
1: Um. How can you find meaning and purpose in their lives? Mm-hmm.
0: Um, Maybe youth that are struggling, or you know, they. You know,
1: yeah. <laughs> I, you know, for me, you know, as a Christian man, you know what I mean. For me, like, you know, my identity is rooted in Christ. Is rooted in my faith. You know what I mean. And so, like, I, you know, when I was younger, like, I struggled to find my purpose, mm-hmm. and it wasn't until I I came to faith that I knew my purpose. Like, I was like, I know my purpose. And my purpose was, I was put on this this planet to be a blessing to people. Mm -hmm. I was placed on this planet to be a light, to help people, to guide people, to strengthen people. And so when I found, realized that purpose, then my life became more fulfilled. And so for me as a person of faith, you know what I mean? Like, that's what I say, you know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. how you find purpose, you know, pray, seek after the Lord and allow him to guide you. So that's, that's the first answer I could give. The second thing I could give is, um, try different things, you know, try different things, be open to different concepts, you know, um, I never thought that I was going to be an actor. I never had a desire to be an actor. But when the phone call came and I was in grad school writing papers, I was just like, all right, it's not what I want to do, but let me try it out and see where it goes. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And, you know, it ended up working out for me. Um, you know, and now I'm going to another example, a less glamorous example, you know, I didn't want to join the military. Like I hated the military. I I really hated the military. Um, you know, I wanted to be a rapper, you know what I mean? But you know what, when I joined the military, you know, I started out as an E2 at the bottom of the totem pole and I worked my way up and, I ended up loving the military, Uh you know, so, so be open, you know, because you, because what you despise might end up being your purpose. Uh And, uh, you know, again, hard work, hard work, hard work, you know what I mean? Like, you know, just, just work hard, you know, that'll help you discover your purpose and, and as well. So,
0: Yeah. yeah, yeah, good, good. Is there anything else that you wanted to mention or anything else you wanted to share before we, um, conclude the interview?
1: Oh, no, that's it. (laughs) <laughs> unless you got something you want to
0: touch no no that's good that's good well thank you so much Remy this was this was a lot of fun I learned a lot from you and it yeah, was great yeah. talking to you
1: same here great talking to you too and uh thank you so much for your time
0: yeah thank you all right we'll be in touch right. bye bye all right now. bye bye